Hey friends, thanks so much for tuning into the Inner Revolution podcast. Are you ready to be changed? Well, let's go. Awesome, awesome. Well, precious Lord, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for each man in this room. Father, just breathe. Uh, just your spirit of encouragement, uh, your spirit of courage, your spirit of joy. Uh, Lord, just thank you. Thank you that we can be gathered together just to lift you up, to um, look to you. Looking to you, we know who we are. Thank you, God. Give us a clear picture today of who you are. And uh, we bless your name today. Thank you for Pastor Craig. Thank you for Nikki. Thank you for Pastor Jay and Marie. Thank you for these churches up here. We think of Pastor Larry and Pastor Duke. We think of just the work in Pennsylvania. Father, we just uh, breathe, breathe new vision, new life, new uh, strength. And uh, Father, we pray for our nation today. We don't recognize our country anymore, and we, we know that the only hope for our nation is you. Uh, we, all, we only know the only hope for our neighborhoods is, is people of God standing in grace and truth. And uh, Father, we pray that you turn our nation, Lord, back to you and use us, Father, to do that. Use us to uh, declare your goodness, to declare who you are. And uh, Father, just do miracles in these days uh, through us, in us and through us, Father in our families, in our personal lives, in our neighborhoods, in our churches. We pray for new works in our cities, that you would uh, draw people to want to know and hunger and thirst after your word, Lord. Just speak to us today, really bless, go way beyond, set people free today, and um, just give a personal word and a personal strengthening and and uh, be glorified in all that we do and say today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hey, it's so good to be with you today. And um, thank you for coming. Thank you. And uh, I know today if you came by faith, God will speak to you. And um, so I know Pastor Craig and Nikki from Bible school. And I love their hunger and thirst after God and just how they respond to the word. And I'm, I love the zeal, passion, but also the hunger and conviction that, that's in their lives. So today, I, I, I love this theme, taking the lead. Don't you love that? That's a great theme. And um, like you, uh, I am, I am shock, I'm in a state of shock uh, with how things are in our world and in our, in our nation, in our, in our communities. And it's really stirred me up to go to God more diligently, uh, to believe God for new works, church planting. I believe church planting is really, this is the time to be reaching uh, up and out, right? Up to the Lord and out to people. And, uh, and I want to talk today about standing. And it's, um, you know, a, pe- a preacher is pretty dangerous when he's got a lot of notes, so I got a lot of notes here, <laughs> uh, but I think this thought will resonate with us today. We were talking on the way up and um, just about what does it mean to be men that stand? And I think before we take a lead, when, when you think about that, to take a lead, uh, there's so much to that. But I want to start by talking about what does it mean to stand? And so if you want to turn uh, to Esther chapter 3. Esther chapter 3, and when you, when you think about standing, right, uh, it's different from sitting, right? right we, were, we were sitting a long time in the car, got a little stiff, right? Um, but standing is the opposite of sitting. So isn't that profound? Very, very profound word there. <laughs> very deep. <laughs> uh, so you'll get used to my humor, hopefully by the end of the end of the message here but there are so many sitting there are so many that are shrinking back there are so many that are there's such a vacuum of leadership that we're experiencing 
And we are not called to be superheroes, but we're just called to stand, aren't we? To stand. And what does that really mean? Because in Ephesians chapter 6, we'll look at that in a minute, 12 through 14, it says three times to withstand, to stand fast, and to do all to stand. Okay? Just to stand. And in Ephesians chapter 6, we understand that the offensive action there is the Word of God, the work of God, and the power of God. But what's our, what's our job? It is to stand. And we can underestimate that and say, ah, standing is kind of passive. You know, we're standing and just here we are. And the idea can come across our, our mind that we need to do more than just stand. But the foundation and the first part of this is to stand fast, to stand firm, to stand in God and his great grace. And there is a great thing that happens when we stand. God does the fighting. God does the acting. God does the strengthening. And when you look through Ephesians 6, we know that chapter well, right? It's the armor of God. And so quickly we're looking to grab our sword and to grab our shield and and to be the superhero, the Marvel superhero, right? Like Captain America or whatever your superhero is, right? But God is saying, how about a man that just stands? Let's just start there. Because so many are sitting today. So many are, are stepping backwards. And so many are in a place of settling. But when we stand like you are doing today, you're standing in your spirit, you're sitting here physically, but you're standing in your spirit, you are now representing a kingdom. You represent the kingdom of God. You represent the kingdom of God in your family. You represent the kingdom of God in your community. You represent the kingdom of God at your job, right? So standing can't be underestimated, right? And I want to talk about what does it really mean to stand? Because someone is trying to sit you down. Someone is trying to shut you up. Someone is trying to put you to silence. And like never before, this is a day and age when we stand... We open our mouth wide and God will fill it. When we stand, people see that we're standing. And uh, people recognize, you know, that we are not someone that is putting up, backing up, or shutting up. And don't you love the life of Mordecai? Don't you love Mordecai? Very interesting uh, man of God here. And I I want us to look here in Esther chapter 3. And it's kind of a, a serious situation in Mordecai's life where he learns about a plot and then he uh, defies, that's a good word, defiance in the right sense, to stand against something that's godless. He stands when everyone else is bowing. And I don't know about you, we're in a day and age where there's a lot of bowing, right? There's a lot of bowing. And I don't want to sound like a revolutionist today, but I want to make sure in my life that I'm standing. Amen? We're standing and not with the herd mentality floating into some comfortable delusion. But we're standing in the power of God. And I think Mordecai is a good example. So let's, so let's look at this together. Verse 2, And all the king's servant who were within the king's gate bowed and paid homage to Haman. Well, Haman was a wicked guy, wasn't he? conspirator. He was uh, someone that was godless, someone who did not have the best interest of the people. He was selfish, self-absorbed. For so the king had commanded concerning him, but Mordecai would not bow or pay homage. Then the king's servants who were within the king's gate said to Mordecai, why do you transgress against the king's commandment? Boy, that's a message all in itself, isn't it? Right? Obeying God, we stand. Now it happened when they spoke to him daily. And isn't this what the devil does? He's constantly talking, 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 talking. He's constantly uh, attacking the believer. And he would not listen to him. And they told to Haman 
to see whether Mordecai's words would stand. For Mordecai had told them that he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow or pay homage, Haman was filled with wrath. And isn't that interesting? When, when people don't get their own way, what happens? They get like, they do tantrums, right? They enter into like this emotional reaction, right? Like men, not boys. Boys are the ones that tantrum, right? The boys are the ones that make it all about themselves, right? But Mordecai was representing a kingdom. He was representing a people, the Jews. And if you look in in Esther chapter 4, verse 14, Esther stood at at the potential peril of her own life. She saw her uncle stand... And now she stood. And these two, these two amazing characters here in Esther show us something very powerful. That standing is not passive. It's not passive. Right? It is we represent and then we present another kingdom. And I can't say this enough to encourage you that you are important in the kingdom of God and that your walk of faith causes you to stand, to stand. And so let's, let's think about this as we turn over to, to Ephesians. Um, you know, I, I was thinking to myself, what is, what is a way that we can encourage you today? Encourage you. That's, you know, Paul said, I stand alone in 2 Timothy, but the Lord stood with me. Amen? That's like a beautiful thing. To stand, not sit down, not just be like a good Christian that goes with the flow, that talks about nothing and does nothing, goes to church, checks off the box. But no, no, there's a standing. There is a, hey, listen, I am not going to bow to the cultural norm, to the passivity and apathy and the secularism that's taking over our country. And, has, and really, our country is under siege, actually. It's under siege already. And who's going to change that? Well, we know it's the work of the Spirit. We know it's the only hope for our families, for our our, our relationships, our our communities, our towns. We were last night in in the town of Elkton, a a really dark place full of uh, drug people, prisoners to drugs. And we presented hope. We presented life. We presented and stood in something that can make a tremendous change. And I think in our own mind, as we discover like Mordecai, Mordecai knew who he was. He was a Jew. He was God's chosen. He knew he was a, he was a child of promise. And I think as we know who we are in Christ, we will know how to stand. All right, let's look at Ephesians 6. Standing. Have you, ever, have you ever stood and when everyone else is sitting down, it, it's kind of intimidating, isn't it? Ever been in school and you had to stand up in front of the class and you had to talk about something? All the eyes are on you. Think about Mordecai. Mordecai, I don't know how many people were in that gate, but there was a lot, right? And he said, you know what? It's not about me. Think about Mordecai for a minute. It's not about me. How could Mordecai stand? Because it wasn't about him. It was about God, right? One writer says, if I'm intimate with God, I'm not intimidated by man. It's a good good word, isn't it? Intimidation, right? Insecurity. It's always looking inward, right? In, in, in. But standing means I'm representing something other than myself. And in Acts 20.24, Paul said the same thing. What does Acts 20.24 say? He says, I do not count my life dear unto myself. Right? That's a starting point, isn't it? Listen, if we're trying to protect or trying to uh, make a name or somehow preserve our life, we will sit down, right? We will sit down. We'll say, you know what? It's getting too hot in here. It's getting, the, the resistance is too great. The enemy is too strong. And we're going to talk about the 12 spies in a minute. 
There'll be a good excuse to back up, to put up, and ultimately to shut up, actually. I want us to think about this. You are initiators of the kingdom of God, and there is someone actively trying to shut you down. But guess what? You're standing. You're standing in grace. You're standing in faith. You're standing in truth. You and I do not represent ourselves, but we represent the kingdom of God. And Mordecai and Esther saved the nation because he stood. So how do we take a lead today? Well, we first of all start standing. We start to say, hey, you know what? I represent something different than this secular, godless, foolish world. And we represent eternal life, eternal promises, eternal hope, eternal grace, right? In Ephesians chapter 6, on uh, verse 10 and 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. So without the armor, guess what? We are a massive target. Anybody ever felt like a target before? Ever felt you have the devil on your back whispering in your ear, right? The armor of God is critically important. Critically important, like on purpose we say, Lord, I put on you every day in Ephesians 4.24. I put on your thoughts. I put on uh, your, your identity so I know and do not sit down when it's time to stand. This is a day to stand. This is a day to represent and then to present our great God. Amen? That's why you're here today. That's why... You might think to yourself, I think this, I am nothing much. I'm nothing. And, and, it, and thank God it's not about who I am or who you are. But it's who we are in. It's who we belong to. This is what gives us courage. This is what gives us confidence. This is what gives us conviction, right? Because there will always be a Haman. There will always be a Nabal. There will always be, uh, just like in Nehemiah, there will always be Samballot, Right? Uh, just come down and we'll talk and we'll negotiate why you should come off the wall, why you should sit down, why you should shut up and follow the herd. And what, and what did Nehemiah say? Nehemiah said, the work is too important. And I think as men, the influence is not in the majority. It's in the minority. Like we talk about leadership. I love studying about leadership. Leadership is not about the majority. It's not about me and all these guys. David had a few mighty men and he changed his nation. Why? Because he walked with God. He was obedient to God. And he inspired people around him. How do we stand in this day? I'll show you in a minute here in 2 Corinthians. But look at Ephesians 6. We're able to stand. Maybe today you're kind of faltering. Maybe you're kind of in temptation and you're like, wow, I feel like I'm getting beaten down, right? I love, I love something Jesus said to Peter. Satan has desired to sift you, Peter. And that word there is literally to beat the fight out of you, Peter. Satan wants to beat the fight out of you. He wants to get you worried about finances, worried about gas prices, which is ridiculous, right? Uh, maybe family problems. Uh, he wants to beat or make excuses for you to sit down. But I've prayed for you. Isn't that good? I've prayed for you that you will be strengthened and converted and ultimately strengthen your, the brethren. Have you felt like that? Maybe in temptation you get that uppercut, undercut, side cut, a couple pounds in the head, and you're kind of you're seeing stars, and you're barely standing, right? Anybody, any boxers here? Any boxers? No boxers? Ooh, okay. Boxing's very interesting. I used to really enjoy that. I used to love studying it. And I don't think I was a good boxer, but better at martial arts. But uh, when you get hit in the head a couple times, uh, you know, that'll wake you up, right? <laughs> and your footing, your standing is very, very important, isn't it? Because when you're kind of teetering and your legs are planted, you don't fall down for the most part, <laughs> all right? When you're stand, what you're, how you're standing is how you will continue. All right, let's look at Ephesians 6. How you doing? You all right? You with me? Are we standing? We don't have to be anything great. Was Mordecai great? He wasn't. 
He was a man that decided to say, listen, I am not going to just walk in herd mentality. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to just be compliant, but instead I'm going to stand because of the law of God. I'm going to represent. Boy, think about that at our jobs. Our jobs are mission fields. Maybe we don't even say a word, but you standing, your priorities, the way you spend your time, the way you spend your money, the way you uh, obey the Lord in the smallest details, the devil sees you standing. And there will always be someone, the ankle biters, just kind of trying to conspire against you. But guess what? God is fighting on your behalf. And this is what we see in Ephesians 6. It says this, um, uh, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, against principalities or powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. By the way, identifying warfare in our life, that's important, isn't it? Blaming my neighbor, blaming my spouse, blaming whatever. The deflecting doesn't, doesn't help. But identifying warfare and standing, this is what, where we get the victory. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand. Okay, stand and then withstand. Someone is holding you in place. Someone is fortifying you. Someone is standing with you against the resistance. Who is that person? It's Christ. It's the Holy Spirit. In our darkest hour, in our weakest moment, God is, His arms are underneath us, holding us up and saying, listen, I love you, I'm for you, keep walking, keep resting, keep looking at me. Hebrews 12.1, keep looking at me, keep looking at me. When you look at me, Hebrews 12.1, the things that beset you, the things that uh, hold you down will fall away. If I start messing with the things that are holding me back or start managing my sin or start focusing on my sin, guess what? Bam, we will fall down. We'll fall down. We'll trip over ourselves. We'll trip over someone else's sin. We'll all of a sudden become some judge of some sort. God is saying, keep your eyes on me because where you're looking is where you're going. What you're listening to is what's shaping your heart. Standing, standing, standing. It might not sound so glorious, but it's the beginning of taking the lead and leading others. All right, let's look at this. Um, I love what he says here. That ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. I love that. Standing, standing. Okay, let me show you an interesting verse here. What does it mean to stand? 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's look at this together. <clears throat> I don't know. I'm... Uh, Motivated in love, but also motivated in shock. <laughs> I'm, uh, I am horrified in the right sense that, that things are sliding so much. And I don't know about you, I'm not going to be someone that stands by and says, oh, that's nice, you know, and we'll let everything kind of slide into the sewer pit. No, 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 we're going to stand. We're going to say, by the grace of God, I'm nothing but I do, not kick, I do not count my life dear unto myself so that I may finish my, my, my race, right? And self-absorption and self-orientation and self-management, and this will make us sit down every time. Sit down and be a good little boy, right? Be a good little boy. Sit down and, and, and clam it up. And God is saying, this is a time to speak. This is a time to go. This is a time to initiate my life, my love. And do not care what men may do unto you. Do not care about that. Care about my stuff and I'll care about your stuff. Isn't that good? Like this is kind of a, a principle I have in my heart. If I care about the things of God, he's going to take care of this, my stuff. Right? Esther, Esther risked it all. Mordecai risked it all. Daniel, what did Daniel do? Daniel continued to pray when he was told not to pray. Was he going to stop obeying God to appease man? Mm. Very tempting, especially when the devil is threatening. 
You know, it's interesting in pre-war Germany, pre-war Germany, um, <clears throat> before Hitler came to power, Germany was a Protestant nation. It was a Protestant nation. And in a very short period of time, a matter of years, that nation was manipulated under a fascist regime. And they, the pastors and the leaders, for the most part, were shut down because of fear and because of manipulation and because of coercion. Now, it's interesting, in the, in the way the, the nation was, the state would pay all the pastor's salaries. And <laughs> you mess with somebody's money, you get to see where they are a little bit. And there was a man named Bonhoeffer. Maybe you've heard of him, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And he was a man that would not sit down. And he says, if I lose my life, and he did, ultimately. He would not go the way of the dodo, the, 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 the loser. And you know what? I think in our nation, I'm not trying to be over the top serious with you today. I think this is a very critical time as men to take our prayer life seriously, to take our church life seriously, to take our fellowship seriously, and to stand, to do all to stand. If I need help, I grab a brother and I say, hey, pray with me, I'm, I'm in the trenches. Or, or maybe, maybe there's just a struggle in the family. Don't struggle alone. That's the most ridiculous thing, right? We need each other. We need to fall in the arms of God and the arms of a spiritual brother to help walk with us. All right, 2 Corinthians 10.6. How do we stand? Very simple. 2 Corinthians 10.6, what does it say? Great verse, it says this. <clears throat> We know casting down those vain imaginations in verse 5, so valuable. And then being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. What's he saying? How do you stand? Just simply obey God. Obey God. Like, okay, Lord, I'm going to stand in obedience, and my obedience will revenge the disobedience. So let's say I struggle with temptation, or let's say I struggle uh, with self-identity, or let's say I struggle with um, insecurity. What is God saying here? Just be obedient to believe what God has said about you. Lord, I choose to believe what you say about me more than agree with the devil. We agree with the devil all the time. That's why projections and lies can be so powerful in our life. I don't care, honestly, who we were. And I don't care where we've been. But I love it where God is taking us. Amen? I love it what God says that we are. We're everything that God says that we are and nothing the devil says that we are. Amen? Amen. Who do you... Uh, who, do we know who we are today? We are standing in Romans 5.2 in grace. That means grace is defining us and grace is liberating us, and grace is giving us the power. All right, let, let me show you an interesting passage here in Numbers. Um, Numbers chapter 13. So think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the, the three Hebrew boys. What happened there? What happened there? All right, Nebuchadnezzar is manipulated, and he gives this crazy, crazy law. And these three men, they're in... They're before the king, what do they say? What do, what do these three men say? Anybody know? What do they say? And Nebuchadnezzar says, you're not supposed to do this, and you did this. What did they say? We'll not bow down. What else did he say? What else did he say? We're not going to defile ourselves. Good. Our God will deliver us. Excellent, David. Right? Daniel? They say we're not careful to answer you. I love that. Like we're not even gonna we're not gonna be a, we're not gonna analyze what we should do in this matter. There's so many journalists and analysts, so many, so many analysts and journalists in the king. It's like no, no, no. We are if we perish, we perish. In so many words, if God decides to save us, in so many words, then glory be to God. And we know the beautiful story. He's in the furnace. And what do they see as they're standing in the furnace? What do they see? The fourth man. 
Christ, right? What happened to Stephen when he was being stoned? What happened to him? He saw Christ standing. Jesus was standing to receive Stephen home. What was going on? I mean, rocks are flying, and these weren't little baby beach pebbles. These things were like the size of my hand. I, I mean, th- these things could really be a game changer. <laughs> a couple hit you in the head, you're pretty much done. Stephen is looking, and he is seeing Christ standing, and he is saying, he is communicating, uh, seeing that he saw the Trinity. And the crowd went nuts. They, they jumped on him and thrashed him. Why? Because he was not only standing physically, he was standing spiritually, and it made an impact. And Stephen's death, whose life did it, did it provoke and change? Paul. Saul, it turned to Paul. Stephen was taking the lead even in his death. He's like, listen, I don't count my life dear unto me. If I'm trying to save my life, I'm not going to lead anybody anywhere. But if I'm standing, looking at Jesus and saying, Lord, I'm nothing much. I'm a bag of bones, but I'm trusting you. I'm believing you. Okay, let me show you something for a few more minutes here. I love this in Numbers 13. Standing, standing, not sitting. There's a time to rest, absolutely. Somebody, somebody once said that resting is, is not doing nothing. It is just being moved by another spirit. Resting. Just being moved by another spirit. I can be totally relaxed. Resting in his love. We, we said it last night, 1 Peter 1.13, we're resting in his grace. But we're active. We're alive. We're sober. We're awake. Awake, right? Because you are needed. I got, I, got, I got to say this again and again. I am provoked to think that we are needed, not because we're anything, but because we represent the kingdom of God. And you might say, ah, you know, I, what can I do for the kingdom of God? Just stand up and watch God use you. Just stand up. Maybe standing up means, you know, one brother said, I wish I could pray more. I wish I could read my Bible more. I wish I could just be like, like someone that's spiritual. And I was like, whoa, you know, what does that even mean? I said, just start now. Just open your Bible now. Just take a minute. Just start now. Don't worry about what is not happening. Just stand now. Just stand now. Let's say your family life is upside down. Just stand before God and then stand with, before your wife or your husband uh, or your wife and, and stand before your kids. I remember telling my son the other day, we had something and, and I had to say I was sorry to my eight-year-old son. You know how difficult that is? <laughs> I was standing. I wanted to kind of like give an excuse and sit down and say, hey, you know, da, da, da. No, apologies in the right sense is standing, right? Not a theology of apology. I, I never apologize for the Bible. We're gracious, we're truthful, we're loving, we're merciful, but no way are we going to apologize. This is what the world is full of. Can you see it? It's so full of people sitting down and little people bouncing on the heads and it's like, good little boy, good, good little Christian. No, no, this is not a day to be a good little Christian. This is a day to be a, uh, a faith-filled, doctrinal-motivated, merciful-acting Christian, amen, that loves to their own hurt because Christ gave it all to do it, amen? All right, so, so I love this. Uh, you good? You good for a few more minutes? You guys all right? Yep. Is this interesting? Yep. All right, good. All right, I'm excited about this. Can't you tell? I like it. I like it. I'm excited. What can God do? I can sit there and watch the television and be shut down and, and sit down and shut, shut it up, like, you know, be very passive. Or God's like, no, stand up, look at me, let me lead you to where I need you, to communicate our Bible. By the way, our Bible, this is our authority, amen? amen? This is why we have such an emphasis on the Bible. Because without the Bible, we have no authority. My personality doesn't have an authority. My gifts don't have authority. Nothing has authority except the Bible. 
That's why we want to know our Bibles. And I was talking to a brother last night. He says, he says a lot of Christianity is like Build-A-Bear. You know, everybody know that Build-A-Bear thing? You know, they're building like their own way of a build according to their own desires. No, 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 that's not our Christianity. Our Christianity is uh, faithful and sure word of prophecy. Okay, Numbers 13. Very interesting chapter, real quick. 13 and 14. Paraphrasing. God gave the land. God says, go in and take it. Twelve spies, or twelve explorers, we should say, went to look at the land of Canaan. Ten analysts came back. Ten journalists came back with another report. Ten settlers, ten maintenance workers came back with another another narrative other than what God has said. Two, Joshua and Caleb, came back with, let's go in and take it. it, They say there, uh, I believe it's um, Numbers 13, 26, well, actually, Numbers 13 before, I think it's 24, it says, they literally took grapes, and there was a pole between two men, and they carried a cluster of grapes that took two men to carry. Now, I don't know about you, if you go to Giant today or Weiss, you're not going to be finding grapes like that, right? I mean, these things were massive, right? It took two men to carry on a pole these, these cluster of grapes. Like, Joshua and Caleb were convinced. They were persuaded they're like, let's go up at once. Let's go up at once. God said it. God promised in verse 30 that he would remove all of the giants, all of the, um, the, the Hittites and all the Jebusites and all the ites, right? He's going to take care of them all. But what happened to the 10 analysts? What happened to the 10 journalists? They said, oh, it's a fortified city. Oh, it's, it's too difficult. Too strong are the men there. Wait a minute, God said something. If we're standing on what God says, then we have authority in our life. But if we're standing on sight, there'll always be an excuse to doubt. Right? These ten men lived in unbelief that created doubt. And even worse than doubt, they became doubt casters. They began to speak doubt. Oh, this can't work. In verse 26, we are grasshoppers in their sight. You know, I was studying about grasshoppers. You know what's interesting about grasshoppers? Their ears are on their belly. Isn't that kind of weird? That's kind of weird. Their ears are on their belly. And they rub their legs together and they make those chirping sounds. And if you look at, you know, in the grasshopper family, locusts, they work in swarms. They're, they're quite destructive things, but... Insects, but interesting, their ears are on their belly, and I thought immediately what Jesus said, your God is your belly, right? Like your God is your appetite, your God is yourself. And these men were saying, we are like grasshoppers. How many men sit down believing that they are grasshoppers? That we are less than what God has said? That somehow our past has disqualified the reason why we should take a step of faith. My sin. Guess what? Our sin is paid for. Isn't that amazing? Our sin is gone. Let's not remember something that God has forgotten. Amen? Psalm 103. It is gone. It's gone. We remember often our sin, and we become grasshoppers. We sit down and say, you know what? I disqualify myself, or somehow I, I reject the fact that God is saying, stand and stand. I will make you to stand. Well, Joshua and Caleb, I, I love these guys because they stood. They quieted the people, but guess what happened? Unfortunately, the majority, their voice was louder. But Joshua and Caleb did not sit down. The... Uh, these 12 spies and the Israelites did not enter, the, uh, did not enter Canaan. They did not. But their kids did. Years later. 40 years. It cost them 40 years. How many are 40? And how many are 40 years old here? And older? Okay. A few. 
right? That's a generation. There was a generation where God says, okay, I'm going to sit you down because you wouldn't stand up when I asked you to stand. It's a significant thing. Well, I want to close in Hebrews chapter 11. Let's look away from ourselves. This is important. We represent the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, right? Not ourself. You know, um, you're going to hear from Pastor Justin today, an awesome man of God. You have Pastor Jay. You have so many great, great men in the room here. And this is a day, it's so critical for men to stand. And maybe uh, don't, don't, uh, don't exaggerate it in your mind. Maybe standing in Hebrews, like we just read, is simply obeying God where you are. Simply obey Him where you are. Just say, you know what, Lord, I don't feel like going to church, but I'm going to draw near and say feelings, emotions, uh, whatever is Goliath is talking to me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk beyond my Goliath. I'm going to focus and stand in something greater than myself. This is a day when churches are closed. Can you believe that? The statistics are alarming. For out, of every, out of 10 churches, seven closed and remain closed. And only three remain open, uh, continue to be open. That's a 70% closure. Our nation is in a huge vacuum. It's pretty obvious we have no leadership. But in the Christian community, society and community is a reflection of the church. This is why we're so needed. This is why we stand up in faith and say, we're going to present the gospel, present life, present grace. What's the greatest thing that a drug-infested area needs? It needs the grace and truth of God, not a, not a self-help program, right? That's what Elkton last night, Frederick, wherever we are, Fed Hill or York, wherever. The gospel is what changes lives and the devil knows if he can shut our mouth that the, the, the rolling stone will just roll even faster to destruction. I don't know about you. I'm not going to take this sitting down, right? right? Bonhoeffer said, I'm going to stand by the grace of God and represent the Lord even, even if it takes me. And it did. And what a great way to meet God, right? Obedient. Obedient. You say, oh, that could never happen in America. Guess what? If you're saying that, if you're saying that, if I'm saying that, then we're not in touch with reality, right? And our fight isn't flesh and blood. Our fight isn't people. That's why we're standing in truth, representing truth. We're not debating and arguing and fighting people. That will cause us to sit down because of exhaustion. But we're we're spending our energy and loving, discipling, preaching, planting churches. Churches that plant churches. This is so important. Maybe you say, I don't have all the answers. That's great. It's great. Just study your Bible and go out in faith and go with someone that can disciple you. And God, that's why evangelism is what changes a nation. A, A pulpit that's on fire changes a nation. Right? Right? Amen? You still with me? All right, good. All right, good. You're amazing. Okay, Hebrews 11, pioneers and explorers. There's there's a great there's a great phrase I've been thinking about uh, that says we have forgotten who we are. We are pioneers and explorers, and not just settlers and caretakers. We're not just caretakers. We're not just settlers. I mean. Think about Lewis and Clark for a minute. Anybody remember Lewis and Clark in your history? I, I was studying about these guys. You know, they, the revisionists have really changed their story, and I'm not going to get into that. Um, but revisionists are really, secularists are really demonic people. Anyway, Lewis and Clark, God-fearing men, when we got the Louisiana Purchase, they wanted to explore the Western Front. They wanted to connect and find trade routes to the Pacific Ocean. And they went on a 4,000-mile exploration. exploration. 4,000 miles. It took them a year. Actually, a little bit more than that, back in the 1800s. Tremendous obstacles. 
tremendous difficulties, but they were moved in purpose. They were moved in passion. The, the purpose motivated them more than the obstacle. And look at that. They encountered incredible difficulties. But guess what? They made it from Missouri all the way through Oregon to the, the western flank. And guess what? Today, they were huge in exploring and discovering unknown territory. I want to provoke you today. God has called you to be a pioneer and an explorer. Maybe the pioneering exploring is just in the Bible and God's going to renew your faith and make it alive to you. Maybe God will call you to a part of the town like he did Pastor Craig and he's ministering the gospel. Maybe God will call you to a different state or a different country. Let's not limit God. Lewis and Clark, they had a passion and a purpose. They were not analysts. They were not journalists. They were not sitting down crunching the numbers they, the, the microscope they're analyzing the small thing and like oh this is so small and there's 25 reasons why we shouldn't do what we're doing no they had the telescope they had it stretched out they were looking at unbelievable things and they were in tune with what was big are we in tune with what's big we are because we're here today we have a great big god we have a great big god and I'm not asking you to do anything fantastic. I'm just asking you to stand in faith every day. And if you fall, you get right back up again and say, Lord, you're standing with me. You're standing with me. And uh, I'm going to keep looking at you and keep standing. And I'm not going to stay down. I'm going to simply say, Lord, may your grace strengthen me. May your love strengthen me. And keep taking out the telescope. I mean, the numbers are crazy. What was that number? Uh, someone who said in the car, 6%. What was that, Caleb? Yeah, um, in America, out of all professing Christians, only 6% hold a biblical worldview. Okay, 6%. I mean, we do not have an easy landscape. But with God, nothing's impossible. We keep preaching, keep loving, keep going, keep praying, keep just pursuing and just... And we just keep saying, God, we're going to be like Mordecai. Everyone's bowing. Everyone's got a good excuse. I talked to one person. They said, oh, we're closing our church till 2023 to honor our community. I said, that doesn't even make any sense to me. I said, does a lighthouse turn off their light in the storm? No, we don't. And I, we were kind, but I was furious because it's like that stuff furiates me. It's like, these are great days, amen? These are great days, amen? amen? These are great days to say, Lord, we're going to be like a Daniel. We're going to be like Caleb and Joshua and says, let's go take that mountain. We're going to be an Esther. We're not, see, faith sees the opportunity. Unbelief sees the obstacles. Boy, so many obstacles. But the telescope is like, you know, I was with a brother at the Goddard Space Station down in, uh, uh, where is that, Beltsville, Maryland. We were looking at uh, the, Hub the Hubble, Hubble uh, telescope. That's amazing. Anybody seen any pictures of, the, of uh, space through the Hubble? You can Google it. It's, it's fascinating. It's beautiful. If our head is down here, then it's like, oh, there's a lot of groaning, right? But if our head's up here, it's like it's beautiful. God can change relationships. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is standing, right? Giving grace is standing. These are, these are ways to say, Lord, I'm going to sit down in my flesh, but I want you to stand up. I want you to be glorified. I want you to be proclaimed. Because if we lift up Christ, guess what? Our communities change. I've got a neighbor, and they celebrate Halloween. They got death all over their, all over their, they got tombs and ghosts and, and they hate us because they know we're believers. And uh, am I going to talk to them about their yard and how bad it, I'm not going to talk about their yard. But they're always, they're always curious about us. They're like, what, what is it about you guys? You're, you're at church a lot. You, like we give out a lot of things to our neighbors. We have a lot of uh, 
evangelism to our, to our neighborhoods. And they know we stand for something different, right? We stand for something different. I'm not going to bicker over what is wrong in their life. I want to present something life-giving, right? And then God, what happens? God begins to minister beyond the problems, the beyond the obviously brokenness. So, oh, we didn't read Hebrews 11. Can we read that? This is worth it. Who wants to read Hebrews 11, 32 through 35? Daniel, listen, to this. This, is, this is your life. This is your life as you stand with God. In the moments, in the moments, in the moments. Go ahead. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Awesome. This is your life. Amen? Amen. Lord, help us. Help us to stand in these evil days, knowing that you, it's in the strength of you, Lord. You're upholding us. We are nothing. We have no authority or no strength without you. And uh, we just pray today for each man here that you'd encourage, strengthen, bring in focus, soberness, awareness that, that we are needed. Uh, not that you need any help, but you just need men to stand. You looked for a man in Ezekiel 22 and didn't find one. Lord, we want to be that man that stands by faith and obedience just moment by moment in our day. Lord, help us. Help us in our struggles to look away and look unto you, Lord, and you will strengthen us. Thank you, God. Give us power. Give us authority. And uh, give us souls, give us a ministry to people around us. Thank you, Lord. And help us not to sit down, but help us to uh, strengthen our feeble knees. (laughs) Strengthen us in in your precious name we pray. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, friends, for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode.